welcome back everyone to the Harshhead podcast we have a special guest with us but first i'm jared one of your co-hosts what we have with us the one and only south jersey jason the one and only the, not the imposter <laughs> going around central jersey saying he's me if you want to dress up as jason that's fine but make sure you title yourself correctly central jersey jason or however you want to know it <laughs> have we found him yet no no not yet ron i was at an event and uh, a couple of weeks ago in sayerville new jersey and one of the vendors came up to me and said okay oh, i get your picture i said yeah she goes do you walk around wherever it was brown mills or something i said no i'm originally from the lang city area oh well there's a guy who dresses up as jason and he calls himself south jersey jason <laughs> so i have a roy amongst us yes <laughs> that's funny man yeah i will not stop until i find him no i'm just kidding hey that's that's uh to me that's flattery you know yeah so jared uh anything new in the horror world anything you watched or you've seen well the only thing i really saw was a new trailer for the russell crow uh demon movie forget the name of it right now uh the guy who's done like over like a hundred thousand exorcisms or yeah something. he's been doing 30 exorcisms a day since he was a toddler <laughs> yeah how'd it look it looks good i'm kind of i'm kind of interested and i'm kind of excited i hope it's not just like another exorcism movie because i was really let down with pray for the devil that was just i it had a nice twist to it but the I, in my opinion the best exorcism movie we've ever had was The Exorcist. It's gonna be hard yep. to beat. It is, unless Blumhouse pulls something out of their butts. And I gotta tell you, man, they have their work cut out for them. I will go with The Exorcism of Emily Rose being second. that's that's a good one. Yes, but I stand with The Exorcist as the best. Yeah, Exorcism Emily Rose is good. You know, so was another good one, but the sequel was horrible. Mm-hmm. The last Exorcism, where it was like a found footage type thing. Mm. Yeah, that was a good one. And then the sequel was just a letdown. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I did see the comments. People were leaving for poor old Russell. Like, he looks like an old drunk man, you know? I think that's kind of the point, though. Well, yeah. But look, look, I mean, he's older now. But, like, the guy, like, you know, he reminds me of Christian Bale. He gets really into it. He'll put on, like, look at Gladiator. He had finished um, uh, a movie where he was a whistleblower and gained all this weight. And then, like, in the same year, he also put out Gladiator. Like, he shot him back-to-back and lost all that weight. So, I mean, as we get older, except for Ron, it's hard to maintain that physique. <laughs> so, Trust me, I'm having, my t- I'm having my struggles. Oh, please. I saw a photo of you, like, a gym photo or something, and you're, like, you know, 24-inch yeah. pythons there. Hey, you'd be surprised what you can do with Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... The only thing horror related that for me was I watched Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey last night. Thoughts go. Do I do the ask? It was pretty bad. I was on my phone the entire time uh, after the intro, like when Christopher Robin goes back to Hundred Acres Woods and you meet the he's not the central character if you if you can believe that. It's like this whole group of. 20 somethings that get an Airbnb and it just the acting was bad. Um, my the best parts for me was the opening children's illustration. So basically, it talks about how Christopher Robin had Pooh and Piglet and Eeyore, and then as he got older, he didn't visit them as much, and then he went off to college, but I guess he never really explained it to them. And then they run out of food, so 
unfortunately, one of the animals was eaten by the other animals. Um, but the kills were great. All prosthetics. Oh, okay. Uh, they were all, They. I would say the kills saved it for me. They did leave it open for a sequel as they were, I think, finishing it. They had already greenlit a sequel because of all the publicity they were getting. Mm-hmm. Now, the masks were just your standard. I don't know what they were made of, but I have to give them credit. When Pooh showed affection at the end of the film, there were some type of animatronics in it. Mm. So he went from like happy to angry. But they did like a Halloween kills style. Like, remember at the end of the movie, like when all the city folk like cornered Michael? Oh, yeah. It was kind of like that, but without someone holding an iron in their hand. Uh, but it was pretty badass. Pooh gave them a run for their money. Yeah, it's um, hard for me. It's hard for me to believe that it was that awesome when you're calling him poo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, how the heck did they were they able to put this off? Like public domain. Poo, public domain. Reason. Yeah, and but, I, I was just gonna say I have absolutely no idea why Winnie the Pooh is in public domain. I thought that was owned by Disney, to be honest with you. Disney owns the likeness. Like you can't they have copyrighted the likeness of the characters, so that's why they really didn't look like like Oh, got it, got it, but got it. Pooh did wear pants in this movie. We are, we do have him wearing pants, not just a red shirt. So we are, you know, we are safe on that. Um, and then I think that was really, that was really it. So Jared, I want uh, you and I were talking off air, and we want to get our YouTube subscribers up there. Yes, you know, we, we do. We we're not very, we don't really do a lot on social media. I mean, we're both busy. You know, we get a little bit of uh, hits and whatnot, but I figured. What can we do to maybe get the word out that we want to get more subscribers? At least 100 for right now. I think we're at 56. 56. 56. So that's what, 44 away. So I was going through some of my belongings, things that maybe I can part with or I have extras of. So uh, back in May, I got Ron Sloan. He gave me a can of ethyl stew. Okay. So we got right there, and it says, best goddamn stew in the whole wide world, Ma Hubbard's fucking slop. <laughs> so, and it's signed by um, Carol Locatel, who played Ethel, and, of course, Ron Sloan, who played Junior. To me, the best characters in Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. So what we'll do is I'll take a picture. I'll put it on our Facebook page. Jared can do it on the Instagram page. And then, you know, if you're a listener, please share our page. Because Jared, you can see who subscribes to our page on YouTube, correct? Like the it emails. depends on what settings they have open, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. All right. So what we can do is maybe have them comment also. Yeah. So between the comments and if Jared can see who likes us, he, he'll give me that information. I'll take the information off of our social media, and we'll do a ran- name randomizer, and a lucky winner will get. Now, don't eat it, okay? I mean, if you want to eat it, I think it's potatoes inside. It's, it expires. <laughs> um, best eaten by 2024, so you're good for <laughs> another 10 months or so. All right, so that's what we're doing. And just also, Jared and I were talking about doing our first filming location. Uh, 
sometime early spring, and that's going to be in my favorite town, Blairstown. Yes. So we'll start the day off by having breakfast at the diner. We'll talk with Gary and Mike. And then I'm going to take Jared to all the good filming locations and give him a little brief background. And maybe we might run into some um, some prophets, prophets of doom while mm. we're out there. Maybe. When, when, when are you guys doing that? Um, Probably like April. Yeah, April looks good. Yeah. Yeah. That way, you know, because you're usually in March down here. We might get that one last storm before it's... Uh, nice summer spring and green grass okay so uh, you know um, uh I, I i know um i'm gonna go up there on friday the 13th in october and I know oh well i'll talk to you off air about that okay gotcha gotcha all right all right so jared you want to introduce real quick let's yes. give a shout out to rick Poulton for saying that he's not mistaking anything that's 100 years old is public domain it is unless it's recopyrated and then ashley pagey stopped by to say she lurks oh well, she's <laughs> streaming as well so yep. I just turned on um, Twitch. So, uh, guys, if you are coming on Twitch, if you have any uh, questions for Ron here, who wrote Sackhead, the definitive retrospective on Friday 13th, part two, which Damn. I'll have Jared introduce him for us. Yes. So we have with us Mr. Ron Gann, author of Sackhead, the definitive retrospective part two. Am so I doing? I have. Yeah. Guilty as charged. Guilty yes. as charged. So you're probably like, why, Brian? Why are you double fist him? So I, my first copy. I stopped I asking questions about that a while ago because <laughs> you're like me. You collect. I have yeah. three boxes of Freddy cereal. One because I wanted to eat it. One because <laughs> I wanted to seal it. And one because I wanted the toy out of it. <laughs> yeah. So the first copy I ordered from was strictly right through Ron because he was going to have himself and Bill Randolph autograph it although it wouldn't get to me until like the beginning of february when the book itself released on january 13th because he had to go out of town for a couple of weeks so i was getting antsy and i'm like i really want to read his book so i bought it through amazon and i had it actually on friday the 13th which was awesome and i read it a lot while i was at work and uh at home and it's a great read which we'll we'll get into and i'll talk about more so let me just change my background so you don't look at my laundry but uh, Ron, how you doing? You know what? I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me, man. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to get you on. I know you've been busy, busy, busy. Yeah, well, I'm here, large and in charge, and look at that backdrop. Look at that backdrop. <laughs> I, you know, I feel super sexy right now. Let me tell you, that's awesome. <laughs> I know I got I got the angel on my shoulder here. Oh, my other one there. there you yeah, go. there you so. go. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, I'll start off, Jared. All right, kick it off. All right, so you discussed this early in the book, but what was your first introduction to Friday the 13th Part 2? Great question. And again, thanks for having me on your, your podcast. It means a lot because we are, we are both, um, all of us are like-minded, and so it's great to be in the community and evangelize this particular entry in the franchise. Um, real quick, by way of disclaimer, um, Please feel free to interrupt me or shut me up because I'm known to babble. That's what I do for a living, by the way. So well, we like we like babbling and bantering on the show. Yeah, okay, that's what we do. Because uh, yeah. I always I love to hear myself talk. Um, I was first introduced. So I'm a, a, a to betray uh, how old I am. I am a uh, 52 years old. So I in 1980 when the original uh, Friday the 13th came out, I was 10 years old. I was too young for rated R movies. The only um, movie that I had seen of any significance at that time was Jaws. But um, 
my first exposure to Friday the Thirteenth was uh, based the series that is is basically the kill the killing of uh, Kevin Bacon's character in the original. That just was the rage back then. You guys are, you guys are in diapers still. You're young compared to me. But when I was a coming of age, that was word was going around about that particular kill. And well, that I don't even think Jared was in diapers yet. Uh, there you 1980, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How bad is that? <laughs> so I, I just remember that movie caught the world by storm. You got to keep in mind the slasher film that preceded that was Halloween and you can count on one hand, the kills and there's zero blood in the movie. So here comes Friday the 13th and it's quite the opposite, even though they had a lot of off screen kills, uh, the, the the kills that they did did have on screen were pretty gratuitous. In fact, the MPAA took a lot of heat for that, which uh, caused them to really rape, if you will, neuter uh, the part two. So my first exposure to the franchise was the original, the the lore around the original, but I was too young to see it. Um, I uh, I think the year was 1982. I've told this story before. The year was 1982. I'm staying the night over at a friend's house with my, I have a twin brother. He and I were staying over at our friend's house and uh, his older brother was there as well. He was in a single family home. His dad was raising him, them, excuse me, uh, him and his brothers. Um, but he was away at work. So we had the house to ourselves because for the, he worked graveyard. And back then in 1982, this is going to really date me. If you had HBO and Showtime, and those were the only two pay cable stations at the time, at least in the Pacific Northwest, where I'm from originally, Seattle, um, it came with a lockbox, a black box, and parents could lock it, and it would scramble the channel so that kids weren't watching any dirty movies, which would be on the Playboy channel and whatnot. So, all right. Yeah, right. So my we had my friend had HBO and Showtime. So long story short, we broke into his dad's room, um, stole the key to the lockbox, unlocked the cable, and there was this movie on called Friday the 13th Part 2. And I remember being dumbstruck by it because um, I had heard so much about the original having not seen it. It was Forbidden Fruit at the time at my age, you know. And so me, my brother, and uh, my friend and his older brother, we decided, let's let's watch this movie. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember the color of the carpet. I remember the smell in the room. I remember the popcorn that we made because it had such an impression on me, so much so that when the movie was over, um, we were all we all had our respective places where we had to go sleep. And we said, no, we're staying. We all stayed in the living room together and slept in our sleeping bags because Nobody wanted to admit it, but we were too freaked out to to go to our own rooms or whatever. So that was my first exposure, really, uh, to the franchise in general and to part two in particular. All right. Yeah. 1982. So you're not an author. Uh, offer. Let's see, I'm off to a great start tonight. <laughs> you were not an author by trade. Can you give us a little backstory about yourself? Yeah, actually, I, I've written three books. A lot of people don't know I'm a religious guy. I'm a pastor by trade. And I've actually written three theological books, academic books that would bore everybody listening here, Trent. Um, you know, tomes, really, 400-page uh, uh, dissertations and stuff. Um, so I, I've written before. I haven't written anything or published anything in 10 years, however. If you've ever written a book, as I have three other times, um, it takes a lot out of you. And I actually went 10 years without actually putting a word down. I was, that ship had sailed as far as I was concerned. Plus, um, it's not like they, most books sell less than 100 copies. Did you know that? 1.2 million books were sold last year. 
And of those 1.2 million books, 97% of them sold less than 100. Wow. Uh, and then the next range now, is... Sorry, Ron, is that including... I mean, that's just physical or is that both like uh, digital books too? Um, don't know. I can't okay. answer that. Gotcha. Um, I'm, I'm assuming it's physical books. Okay. So I was pretty much done writing. However, I'm a creative guy. I build dioramas. I, I'm, I'm into scale modeling and, and uh, Brian knows a little something about mm -hmm. that. And I uh, actually kind of hit a wall with that. And so I wasn't doing anything creative. And so last summer, uh, early August, I wanted to do something creative. And I wanted to do something around my passions. And, of course, Friday the 13th in general, Friday the 13th Part 2 in particular, happens to be a passion of mine. So I thought, well, maybe maybe I'll write something. And uh, the first chapter I wrote was, I think, Chapter 8 on Russell Todd and uh, his character, uh, Scott. And I just wanted to kind of, you know, put some thoughts down, see if I can make the, uh, if I could write something that was readable and engaging. And then I didn't put the pen down for the next six months. I wrapped up, I wanted to be done in December. I ended up uh, getting done in uh, early January and uh, Amazon printed it before I wanted them to, but they ran with it at any rate. So um, uh, I, I am an author by trade, not by profession. Um, and I chose to write again, come out of the, uh, come out of retirement, if you will, to write for this movie because I had a passion for it and I wanted to, I wanted to evangelize it. So, yeah. So before we get into the next question, let's go back to your diorama. So Jared, uh, the dioramas that I have seen Ron do so far was he did Can Crystal Lake from 1980s film. Yeah, coffee and table. Yeah, coffee table. Yeah, diorama. You also did Hill Valley from Back to the Future, which I did. was yeah. on. now. Do you still have that, or did you end up selling it? That, that's the only one that I have not sold. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then you're currently you're in the early stages of doing Packenack, correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. doing that on the side. I'm kind of transitioning right now. I'm taking a little bit of a break as okay. books always kind of exhaust me. So yeah. I'm actually transitioning a little bit to military models right now, just off on the side. I've done Jaws. I've done The Thing. I've done Friday the 13th. I did Jason's Sackhead. Excuse me, Jason's Sackshed. Sackhead's sack. I remember that one. Yes, yes. Yeah. That now actually the, is, yeah, because that was is, my is, first one. And I, Is the Jaws on your YouTube page? It is, yeah. I'll have to go back and check it out. I'm yeah. surprised yeah. I didn't see it. Yeah. Okay. And we'll at the end, we'll give you time to plug all your, your sure, channels yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. All right. So prior to writing the book, you cosplay a sackhead. In my opinion, you are the most detailed part two cosplayer. So we know why you chose sackhead. Uh, you know, you went around 99% of Jason cosplayers don't go to. They mm -hmm. go with the hockey mask because that's what he's most sure. identified yeah. by. How do you find the appropriate clothing and items for it because yours is very detailed like just almost like in my opinion it's screen accurate so and i know you didn't really start out screen accurate i think little by little you acquired right. so how much like where did you find like the shirt usually the shirt's the biggest the hardest thing to find yeah um well you actually had something to do with the shirt and i'll mm -hmm. get to that in just a second but yeah i started cosplaying in 2019 one of the things that ticks off tick, my wife gets ticked off about is not ticked off but she's just annoyed i have no dimmer switch i'm either on or i'm off <laughs> in whatever i do in my life if i'm going to get into friday the 13th i'm going to write a freaking book right it's like mm -hmm. i just can't be a, a regular fanboy 
And um, so uh, I got into cosplay in 2019 because that's where my passion drove me. And uh, um, I, the first time I ac actually uh, did Sackhead um, was at the grand opening of the Friday the 13th Museum. And I think, Brian, you were there cosplaying as well. Right, but our past didn't, I don't think they are past cross. did not out. cross, right. Yeah. And um, although I stand by the costume and I'm very proud of that particular incarnation, as Brian alluded to, it wasn't as screen accurate as it would later become. Um, the hardest thing for a screen accurate uh, sackhead, Jason, for the other cosplayers out there are two things, the mask or the sack mask and the shirt. And uh, for the longest time, I had an imitation shirt that looked like the real thing specifically or especially in pictures and from a distance, but was not the real thing. And I'm a stickler for as much accuracy as possible. Um, and then um, I did a, a podcast uh, um, cosplay of the 13th hosted by our, our lovely host here <laughs> and, and his partner in crime. And they actually sent me a link to actually have um, a, a screen accurate shirt. You know what? Um, I never got around to buying it only because it's, let's be very clear, it's kind of expensive. It, it is. Are custom, yeah. It's a custom-made article. So just to wrap up the story, our mutual friend, our French-Canadian friend, gentleman by the name of Stefan, right? He's the guy that bought my Friday the 13th coffee table. Um, he actually had a shirt ordered, but it didn't fit him appropriately. And as part of our deal and our transaction, if memory serves me right, actually it was for a, a different piece, but he he gave me his shirt. So I have that shirt. And then another gentleman, actually uh, 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 a member of the Pakanak Lodge Facebook group, um, was kind enough out of the generosity of his heart to send me another shirt, um, a little bit darker in color, but uh, actually it's pretty screen accurate in terms of the pattern. So so that being said, now I'm working on a more accurate pitchfork, um, and uh, that's proven to be a lot harder than I anticipated. So there you go. So where did where did you get the um, pickaxe from? So I made my own pickaxe. Okay. So I had I, uh, that's probably the best cosplay prop I ever made because I modeled it off. I had a real one for photo shoots, and then I had okay. a fake one for cosplay, and you couldn't tell the difference between the two. And then um, I ended up selling it um, to another cosplayer, and and I transitioned to a pitchfork, which is, which was not screen accurate, and uh, that's what I'm working on right now. By the time I'm in uh, Blairstown on October the 13th, if that in fact happens, I want to have a screen accurate pitchfork, and I'm working nice. on that right now. Now, um, I, like everyone knows, well, not everyone, but in the Jason cosplay world, like. Uh, Jason's shirt in part three is like a Sears work shirt. Yep. What's what's the do you know the like the brand of the final shirt that he wore in part two? Not the shirt, no. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like the you know, you know who probably knows is Stefan. He's a he's a stickler for that kind of stuff. Yeah. He's got that encyclopedic knowledge. He right. Might. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Jared, you're up. Hit me, Jared. Hit me. I'm hitting you. Tell us how you came the right. Wait, hold on. Am I going right? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Kind of, he kind of did talk about that. Um, so actually, I'll rephrase the question because this is you kind of answered it. Um, right, like how long was it on your mental rolodex that you know what? Maybe I'll write a part two hmm. novel or book. Like how many years? Like did you sit on before you broke out the pen and paper? Okay, so um, I studied the movie. I created a Facebook group 
uh, for the movie, exclusive to the movie, um, which would include daily entries that would include trivia and did you know kind of entries that would post. I didn't do any of that with the intention, however, of writing a book and crystallizing it in book form. I just did it for fun to uh, get to know people in the community and for them to get to know me. So uh, for two years, as I was running the Pakanak Lodge Facebook group and collecting information and um, and uh, putting d- scheduling daily posts and whatnot, it never occurred to me to write a book. What happened in August is when I was done, I, I, like I said, I, I'm a creative guy and I need a creative outlet. I have to be doing something creative. Right now, I've got twine sitting on my desk. You can't see that because I blurred my background. Yeah, I can, we can see the yeah, the okay. image, yeah. You know, and I'm making pine trees out of because I'm modeling right now. I always have to be doing something creative. And in August, it was really a one week decision. Yeah, hey, I'm going to write a book. Now, I didn't, I didn't think. I had never written a fiction. Or let me rephrase. I'd never written a documentary before. That was also a little bit fiction because I. As we'll talk about later, I, I recap all the characters in the movie by way of telling their story. And um, so I didn't know if I was going to be any good at it. I can write journalistically. I wasn't sure if I could write narratively. And gotcha. I think I, I think I pulled it off. So it was a one week decision in August. And two years of studying the movie and, and evangelizing the movie through the through Facebook. Uh, it never occurred to me to write a book. I just flipped a switch one day in August and bam, six months later, here you go. I'm doing a press tour. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll go to keep with the flow, Jared, um, so we don't go off track with evens and odds. Um, all right. So you have 12 different looks. of Well, actually, not 12, 11. Well, we'll, we'll throw in 12-year-old Jason in there, too. So we have we have 12 different looks of Jason. Some could say that Jason in part three or four is the best incarnation of a pre-undead Jason. Mm-hmm. Why Jason part two? What What is it about just the style of him versus uh, the other Jasons that would follow? Yeah, I, I wish I could give you a profound answer. I'm going to give you the simple answer and the honest answer. It's because he's humanistic. Yeah. He's vulnerable and yet he's intimidating. Mm-hmm. He's He's lethal. Um, and he's virtually unstoppable, but you guess what? You cut him with a chainsaw, he's going to bleed. Um, and I, that is appealing. He's five foot 11, 175 pounds. That's Jason. That's what Steve Dash's measurements Mm -hmm. when he filmed part two, that is a realistic killer that could happen to any one of us, uh, in, in real life, rather than some sort of, um, uh, abnormally large demented monster. Um, so, in, so there was that appeal. Now I want to be very clear. And I've said this before to others in other interviews, when I have nightmares about Friday the 13th, cause every now and then I'll have a nightmare about Jason who does it right. You, you eat, you breathe, you drink this stuff. And every now and then you'll be chased in a dream. It's always, it is always part three, Jason. That's the one that scares me. Part two, Jason, I love, uh, because he, uh, of what he represents, but in terms of uh, uh, frightening or scare tactics, it's, it's the part three, Jason. So I give love to part three. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, part two, Jason is my favorite Jason only because uh, of his humanistic, vulnerable, realistic side, but at the right. same time, intimidating, ferocious, lethal, psychotic. Love it. So Right. And you know, people... 
like I'll be in Facebook groups and they're like, oh, part two, Jason was the worst because he got kicked in the balls and he grunted. Jason doesn't grunt. Well, this is still, quote unquote, human Jason. Right. And he's still learning his craft. You know, yeah. he's still new to the killing. I mean, we don't That's know right. what happened in between. We kind of know what happened in the fan. Well, you know, world. here's the here's the funny thing. According to the canon, according to the canon, Jason uh, didn't kill anybody up until he saw his mother, mother beheaded. Him, yeah. Right? Yeah. Or he didn't kill anybody then. It wasn't until the um, part two that he actually he flipped the switch and it yeah. became the killer. You right. know, so there were no bodies missing in between the time that. You know, the 11 year old and the 30 year old Jason appeared, you know. So, anyways, right. I don't mean to go down that. That's okay. That's yeah. okay. All right, Jared. I love right. Richard Brooker. I, I love Richard Brooker, though. He will always be the one that intimidates me as a, <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, why write a book on just one movie that is over 40 years old in a storied franchise that boasts a dozen films? I think it's one of the best ones in the entry, uh, one of the best entries in the franchise. I think it's an unsung entry because we all know he doesn't have the hockey mask. He's got the hillbilly looking sack mask and and that doesn't get a lot of love. Personally, I find that actually very appealing. And uh, part two, I think, stands out in terms of the acting um, and the characters. In mm -hmm. the part two, there's not one irredeemable character, not one scoundrel that you don't mind dying. Um, I the worst. I mean, the worst character you could probably indict would be Marta Cobra because she wanted to go, you know, see uh, Camp Crystal Lake. She was being a bad girl in that regard. Yeah, we didn't have the stereotypes like we have no, now. Yeah. No, in fact, they were all likable characters. Yeah, and yeah. you had a guy. Although, you know, I wouldn't mind if Ted got you know his head chopped off though. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's he was a prankster, you know. Yeah, so maybe I, I got you, but you know but what? A lot of people he found saved him himself. lovable, likable. You know, yeah, so. but you know, he's a booze hound, so that's yeah. what saved him in the end. No. Yeah, it it is. According to the novelization, he went home with the uh, the barmaid, if you will. Yeah. Oh, so okay. Part, yeah. So part two, uh, it's the characters. Um, it's also the filmmaking. It's the uh, I like the script and the direction, and it's the incarnation of jason so and, i think that stands out and i wanted to evangelize that i keep using yeah. that word but it's the only one that comes to mind i wanted to well, give this also had in my opinion and probably your opinion as well the best final girl i mean hands down and that yeah. i forgot to mention that my favorite incarnation of jason and my favorite final girl and it's not just my favorite i mean i think objectively speaking you could say she was she's always voted as one of the best final girls mm -hmm. ever usually behind jamie lee curtis yeah, and that's, yeah. that says something yeah so, and she doesn't have the screen status of jamie lee you know yeah, that's right she was only in a cup i mean her overall resume it's not comparable to right. jamie lee no, no, no. she pursued no, no. other avenues right. But she's in a lot of great 80s films. And the two that come off the top of my head as far as horror is this one and um, April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. Thank you. Yes. And let me just clarify something. And I, with all due respect to Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, she's considered the greatest final girl because of the number of movies that she was a final girl. She was in Halloween. But in terms of her character, I'll take Amy Still over Laurie Strode any day of the week. I mean, yeah, she, yeah, because I mean, early Lori, she was, it was, it was, was it flight or fright, fright or flight? Yep, yep. But then when they did the different timeline, 
she became like um Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor yes, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> Whereas Ginny was Sarah Connor and whoever in else. One night, like, in one and, night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think she's really she's really the only final girl that got into Jason's head. And I'm not and I don't even want people saying, oh well, Tina did that in part seven. Not that that's two different films this is great part two is grounded (laughs) yeah so i I just want to say this because i feel like it's my responsibility to say this and i'm going to ostracize half your audience but i'm one of those guys that recognizes the first four friday the 13th and i say this respectfully to you uh brian (laughs) because i know that you have some love there but i i i acknowledge recognize and salute the first four films everything else you can have so oh well absolutely like i agree with you on that as well the first four to me are my favorite yeah the ones after it right i like the look of jason okay but i like out of the we'll say i'm not gonna put part five in there because that's in its own league but part six up my favorite look is part seven my favorite film out of all of them from after part five and up would be jason lives part six yep yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I'll just write on your coattails. I consider part one the classic. Mm-hmm. Part two is the favorite. Part three is the iconic. And part four is the best. That's how mm-hmm. I look at it. You yeah. know? So for, for mm-hmm. me personally, that's how I categorize them. Mm-hmm. The, classic, the classic, the favorite, the iconic one. And then you have the best one. So. All right. So, yeah. Oh, Mishu Moo. Thanks for the follow. Look at that. Oh, where'd you see that at? It popped up on the screen. On on Twitch? Yeah. I have oh. different stuff than you. Bro. Oh, oh so, <laughs> okay. So you did number six, so we'll get into number seven. Um, so in a nutshell, what can the readers expect from your book? Well, um, you'll forgive me for being self-indulgent here, but I think it's a good read. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, so each chapter I do a character. Ser- so there's 16 chapters in the book. Um, three of which are um, about the movie behind the scenes kind of thing. And then the wrap up, but you have uh, 13 chapters that deal with the characters in the movie. So I start off each one of those 13 chapters with a character survey where I retell uh, the story of the character for the less informed reader. Um, I, I approached the novel, excuse me. I approached the book um understanding that not everybody is as well versed in the movie as I might be or even this audience. And so I retell the story of the character, after which I then transition to interviewing the actor or actress who portrayed that character. And then I wrap up each chapter with a small section of called Ask and Answered, where um, I deal with problematic questions about the movie or the script or the scenes or um, uh, bloopers and, and so forth and so on. So I think the readers can uh, expect a uh, uh, a multifaceted ride that includes uh, fan fiction in terms of the, not fan fiction, but uh, a fictional side talking about the character, um, a biogra- biographical side interviewing the actor, and then some trivia. Uh, as and that's what I really enjoyed about the book because I have yet to get my hands on a copy of the the novel by Simon Hawk. It's just you know it's eluding me. Yeah. Good and luck I, on that. It's hard to get. It's yeah. Hard to get. yeah. So when you did like the character biography, did, is that all you or did you take some information? Oh, OK. 
Yeah, the, no, the, the novelization okay. does not give backstory. The novelization, okay. yeah, and if the novelization, the novelization followed the script beat for beat, which is the only ding that critics really have of the novelization. There's okay. no real insightful information. I disagree with that. I think that there there is a couple of uh, things that the writer did, Simon Hawk did, but for the most part, it's beat for beat. So I went back and I studied the lore in terms of studying Jason and how he came to be Pamela. And then for each of the characters, you know, it's interesting, like Bill Randolph's character, Jeff, um, Bill told me, uh, sorry for the name drop, but Bill told me privately that um, either it was at a con or we were together. I can't remember. Oh, I, I think I was interviewing him. He told me that he always felt like Jeff was a was a grease monkey. Now, that's not in the script. There's no backstory to that. He kind of gives off the vibe of yeah, being you know, he loves his yeah. truck, right? He loves yeah. his truck. That's his baby. So I threw that in. The, I so I took some liberties, and I that was me. I put that in the character uh, survey that I did. So I would do some of that stuff. Most of the time, I tried to say as canonical as possible because um, I'm I don't want to get sued, and right, I also right. do, I also don't want to. Um, um, I don't want to be fake. So I tried to stay as canonical as possible. And by the way, Paramount wouldn't sue me. They are, they are big fans of fan fiction. I did not know that going in. I, I had And this this is, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Okay. Now, I know you obtained the services of Larry Zerner, correct? I did, I did yeah. Okay. So you probably knew there was a fan fiction graphic novel that was going to come out on Kickstarter. Very much so, yeah. Now, how... Or why, if you can give me a reason and maybe your opinion, that got shut down and that yep. was uh, not profit yep. by I'll Paramount. Tell I'll tell you why. Okay. That graphic novel was fiction. My book is not fiction. My book gotcha. is my okay. book is a journalistic uh, approach to the movie. I simply retell uh, the character story arc. Um, I, okay. I, use, I use a little dramatic flair. And okay. at times a little bit of license, but not enough to bring lawyers. Okay. Um, yeah. Is that and why all... you got Larry? In, in case you don't know, um, yeah. Jared, Larry Zerner played Shelly in part three. Um, is that why you uh, retained his services for that very reason? That is exactly right. And let me just tell you, I actually had two versions of the book. There was one version that I had that was completely neutered, had no pictures in it. And um, I was nervous about the the character survey where I'm retelling the story of the characters like that might be in somewhat in, invading on copyright. Right? I met with Larry. He's like, dude, you're you're covered. You're you're gold, even with pictures because of the, the way the book was gotcha. uh, and that it's a journalistic piece. And it is. Whereas the graphic novel was a fictional piece. It was adding to the lore. I'm not adding to the lore. I'm actually right. complimenting. Well, it. I'm pissed it. off Paramount because. I had bought the uh, like I don't know. It came in the hardback cover in the slip case, and you ruined it for me. Okay, <laughs> so we'll skip over number eight because he kind of really did talk about that. So I'll go with number nine. What part of the book are you most eager for the fans to read? Yeah, that's that's uh, I've been asked that before, and I'm going to be honest with you. That's like picking your favorite kid. It's a difficult <laughs> thing to do because it depends on what time of the what side of the bed I get up in the morning because sometimes I'm just a real big fan of the character survey telling the the story of the character. Um I felt I did a, I felt I did a really good job on that. But yeah. Then I think about the interviews with the actors and that's what draws me to the book as a fan what the actors had to say and 
uh, what the movie means to them. But at the same time, I'm such an egghead. I love the trivia part. So, mm-hmm. um, good grief, man. I, hey, so man. I, you know, the book to me, I didn't want to put it down, even though like oh, I had to go to bed or something. You're welcome. I love the way it was written. Um, my favorite, my favorite term I like to use when I'm talking to fellow horror fans is it's like sitting around a table and they're just having a discussion. Yeah. Is there there are some books that read like radio instructions, like mm-hmm. a biography, like you know, like a book like in in like your genre, and I'm not retaining it because this is the way it's written. You're talk you're talking to us, like I can hear your voice in because right. I know you, your voice in my head, and it's an easy read. And I enjoyed the you know, like I said, the background of the character and then how you flowed into the interview and it just flowed. It was a, a very good read. Like thank you. This is probably you're welcome. This is probably the first book that I have read in a while where I didn't want to put down. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Thank you very you're, much. You're welcome. Yeah. I'll just I'll, I'll I'll say something along those lines. And again, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back because I was very insecure when I wrote the book with how it would be received, but I knew I was on to something when uh, Russell Todd, Bill Randolph, and Lauren Marie Taylor got behind it nice. um, and got behind it in terms of promoting it uh, in their own unique ways. Um, yeah. Um, and it, that that meant something. And they they also, I, I felt, took a liking to it. So um, thank you. I, I, I received that. I appreciate that. You know what would be a great photo op? You know how Lauren Marie does her um, yeah. brown panties? Mm-hmm. photo ops you should get if you ever come across i'm sure you will you'll be at a convention with her yeah. get a pro op of her and her brown panties pretending to read your book there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go there you go man i mean it's such a it's such if i can just geek out for a second, it's such a fanboy dream come true that mm-hmm. the movie that impacted me my favorite character in the and i my favorite character in the Friday the Thirteenth series is is Jeff from Part Two. I just always gravitate, and to have befriended the actor who played him, to actually go to his apartment in New York and to hang out with him with my wife, to Laura Marie Taylor to be interviewed by her, yeah, and Russell Todd cool. to be yeah. kind of quote unquote drinking buddies with him, as it were. It's it's very humbling. It's it's awesome, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, man, this is a that's how party. I feel when you yeah. know back in May. You know, I'm hanging out with the people that were a big part of my childhood. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what it boils down to, you know? Yeah, I mean, hell. Now, I don't know if he was just stroking my ego, but Ron Milky says he's got my picture on his fridge. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I I like to believe so. Dude, (laughs) embrace it. And as far as you know, that's true, man. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Jared. All right. So... Is there anything special that your book contains that no other book written on Friday the 13th managed to capture? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. I, I think there's a there's a handful of things, actually, because no book has been written on Friday the 13th Part 2 exclusively. So um, in that regard, it, it is a standalone book. Um, but if you're really talking about something that really makes it stand apart from say crystal Lake memories, which is, let's be honest, the Bible for Mm -hmm. the franchise, although it's a cursory overview of each entry in the franchise, it's not an exhaustive review of each film. Right. But it's pretty scholarly. Right. Right. But I I had to, 
Oh, Sorry to cut you off real quick. So I, yeah. I got it on my Kindle um, because at the time I just couldn't afford the actual price for it. But I got it. I just got it on eBay a couple months ago for 30 bucks. So, which is a steal. Yeah. yeah. And it was helpful to me in writing the book, my book as well. I tried not to go, go to it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to get back to the question. I haven't forgotten it, but uh, Crystal Lake Memories, I tried not to go to it or cite it too often. Otherwise, I'm just regurgitating somebody else's work. But it was very helpful to me on certain people for whom interviews of works were elusive. Um, Steve Miner was one. I met Steve Miner in the past, but that was before I was writing the book. So had I met him when I was writing the book, I would have asked him all kinds of questions. So that being said, um, uh, okay, now now I forgot the question. <laughs> the, the hardest thing about, no, um, what's, is there anything special that yes, your book? Yes, thank you, thank you. Yep. See, that's what happens when you get in your 50s, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we have a mutual friend, Brian, you and I. Uh, her name is Stacy. Mm -hmm. um, Stacy um, uh, has a uh, uh, she is uh, she has a promotion. She's an agent, as it were, a convention agent for the surviving cast of Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, with the exception of Warrington Gillette, and she represents everybody else. And um, Stacy and I um, have uh, we struck up a friendship over the years, and so that has allowed me to volunteer to work on her team with the Friday the 13th part two casts uh, on occasion at various uh, conventions. And that's how I got to meet the guys and gals and get to know them and interview them. And Stacy made privy to me uh, a picture that I put in the book that no other book and no other collector hats. We did post it in Packenack Lodge once under a copyright. And that is a picture. If you read chapter three in my book, you will appreciate the importance of the picture. It's a picture of Warrington Gillette and Steve Dash together. Um, for one of the few mm -hmm. times ever, th these were two men, both of whom played Jason in part two. They were two men who um, had no love for each other. Um, and uh, as a favor to Stacy, Steve Dash and Warrington Gillette agreed to take a picture with Steve Dash holding a machete to Warrington <laughs> Gillette's uh, neck. And you know what? Warrington Gillette was very affable, and he went along with the gag, and I give him a lot of points. And uh, Stacy held on to that picture, and it was, uh, the, it was the Magna Carta to her. And it wasn't until st after Steve died that she was felt compelled or allowed to go public mm -hmm. with it. And so yeah. um, I badgered her about that picture. Because I knew about it. I'd seen it. I, like I said, we posted it under a copyright on Packenack. And uh, she graciously allowed me, after a lot of painstaking conversations, she allowed me to put, put that picture along with, so just so long as I included a disclaimer. And mm -hmm. so I wrote, I wrote a paragraph that she wanted me to talk about. And basically the gist of it is, is that the two guys, even though they didn't like each other, even though they were at each other's throats, you know, on that particular day, they were warm to each other and they did it all as a favor to Stacy. So the book contains that picture. And if you are a Friday the 13th part two fan, that is a huge picture. Yeah. Do you know the the story behind their animosity, Jared? I do. I do. Oh, no, I was just asking Jared. I oh, I'm sorry. Do. Yeah, I was going to say because I wrote about it. <laughs> I heard about it, but I don't remember. So in a nutshell, before Steve Dash got into the convention world, Warrington was pretty much saying the convention scenes, I'm Jason, like throughout the whole movie. So once Steve got wind 
that's when he started doing conventions and when he would sign his name it was he would always put under it the real jason like uh so steve dash jason part two or the real jason um and i believe like when uh steve confronted warrington it got really heated and steve's a when you look at him, you think he was he's a, a New York in, guy. <laughs> he, you think you think he's a lieutenant in the mob That's because he's a New right. York guy. Like he could be, he could have been like Joe Pesci's right hand man in all the mob movies. Like yeah. that's, but he was such a nice guy, and I was thankful that I got to meet him. Like I think Monster Mania was like the last convention before he got sick, and then eventually passed away. I'm, so I'm jealous. I never got to meet the really. Man. Wow, I never, got, I never got to meet Steve Dash. Or Richard Brooker. And I mean, yeah, Richard Brooker is the only one that now I have a I bought an autograph yeah. off like eBay just to have it in my collection. Sure. But he's the only Jason where I I mean, I did a private signing with Derek Mears because yeah. it was like in 2020 and yeah. there was no conventions. So Brooker and Mears are the only Jasons that I haven't met in person. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say this. Um I don't know if we'll talk about it later on. I, I chose not to talk about the the confrontation mm-hmm. because I, I wanted to stay away from the salacious. However, yeah. however, if you're going to write an exhaustive retrospective on a movie, you you got to go into the weeds a little bit. And so I do, in Chapter 3, address the feud mm-hmm. between the two actors, how it came about, and uh, and yeah. And I, I, I do kind of take sides. <laughs> um, I agree with Steve. Yeah. You know, Warren Warrington was just in well, he was in what two scenes, of course, the end scene. Yeah. And then he had killed um Crazy Ralph. Crazy Ralph. Right. Yeah. yeah but and there there were some possibly some ancillary shot ancillary shots of his hands or feet. But yeah, he was only on set for two weeks. And uh I don't wanna I don't wanna tip my hand, but for your listeners out there who maybe uh aren't into reading or are into it, you want to read chapter three because I deal with it there. I st- I come out of the gates with both guns uh, bla- blazing and I start with Jason and when it comes to the characters and I deal with the, the issue um, at the get-go. I've met Warrington Gillette a handful of times. Um, I find him to be a very gregarious guy, um, very nice guy. He wants to work out with me. I, I love that about him, you know, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is the guy, the guy, uh, um, and I don't think he's got ill intent. I really don't. I don't think he's duplicitous, but I think that he's he misremembers a few things. I'll leave it at that. Gotcha. I, I know. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I have, I have yet to meet him in person. So mm-hmm. like I don't have his autograph of any kind. So I'm kind of on the fence about it. You know, yeah. but well, I mean, if, you know, I, I maybe off the record, we can have a conversation. But um, yeah, like I said, he he his line goes out the building every time. And really? Hmm. He he loves his fans. Mm-hmm. He loves the attention, and um, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. So, what was the hardest thing about writing the book? Yeah, uh, I'll give you three: um, Marta Cober, Walt Gurney, Jack Marks. Those are three actors in the movie who are who are either dead or are very reclusive. And okay. to write in, to write an exhaustive retrospective uh, that includes character synopsis on or synopsis, excuse me, uh, and interviews. Oh, excuse me, and Tom McBride, Tom McBride, who's dead. Mm-hmm. 
So three of those four names I just mentioned to you have passed away. Marta Cobra is very recluse. She's hard to get a hold of. Even her agent has a hard time to, uh, on occasion. Um, and, and I had to write exhaustively about three individuals um, who are no longer with us. And of those three, two of them are not on record at all mm. about, their, about their thoughts on Friday the 13th. Oh, wow. Um, so, Rick Paulton yeah. said he loved chapter three. He read that first due to Lauren's interview with Ron. Oh, so, thanks, Rick. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for watching and listening, man. Um, yeah. So I learned a lot about Walt Gorney from your book. I really didn't know too much about him. Um, now, Stacey, does she represent Marta? She does. Some, she does. Because I think she's only done, to my knowledge, a convention, at least one convention in the past five to 10 years that I can that's, remember. That's, that's, that's correct. I was supposed to uh, meet with her in 2021 in Atlanta. And uh, unfortunately she was a no show. So mm. uh, yeah, it is what it is, but yeah. So if those three chapters, excuse me, uh, writing about those four individuals in a way that was academic, mm -hmm. scholastic um, and worth the reader's money and time, Mm-hmm was a was very much a challenge and so what I did was I relied on uh, other cast members who worked with those individuals and of course Bill Randolph he's got the longest screen time in the mm -hmm. movie of all the characters and he worked with both he actually worked with all of those characters or all of those actors Walt Gorner okay. at the phone booth seeing if yeah. you remember yeah. Jack Marks uh, when he's apprehended in the woods mm -hmm. with Marta and of course he worked with Marta and mm -hmm. uh, he he knew Tom McBride personally, uh, as well. So, um, I relied heavily on him, of course, other cast members as well. And then some scant interviews that I was able to find here, there and everywhere. That was the hardest thing about the book okay, was writing about those guys. Yeah. Very good. How long did it take you to research and write the book from like start um, to finish? Yeah, I would say if I were to be really fair about it, I would say two and a half years. Um, wow. It took me; it only took me five months to write the book, but mm. I, I had spent two years by way of Packenack Lodge, the Facebook group that I was uh, that I used to be the admin of. I've since relinquished that to somebody else, but um, I uh, I spent two years studying all the tidbits of the movie and getting corrected here, there, and everywhere, and getting to know the cast, and so. Uh, so somebody, everybody keeps saying to me, hey, so why don't, when are you going to do part three? When are you going to do part four? And I don't mind. I would love to do them, but it's not going to be a, just a five-month thing. I have yeah, people don't realize yeah. when you're writing like a documentarian book, yeah. all the research you have to do. And That's right. You know, Otherwise, you it's get... not worth people's – this book is 20 bucks. Yeah. I mean, do you really want to spend 20 bucks on just a popcorn book that really – I mean, that doesn't really – deal with anything except hey right. i really like the movie i really like the movie so right yeah, yeah. It, it's gonna take some time so getting back to bill randolph he wrote the forward on the book i had the pleasure of meeting him about two years ago at the premiere of his name was jason and he seems like he's the kind of guy you want to go out drinking with <laughs> that guy how, how, how did you recruit him to be a part of the book Okay, um, and don't let me go more than a minute or two on this answer because I can go forever. But uh, <laughs> what I love about Bill Randolph, Lauren Marie Taylor, and Russell Todd in particular, Amy Still too, Amy Still, mm -hmm. is when you're talking to them, you are the only person in the room. Mm -hmm. These guys are pros, man. They really know yeah. how to meet people. So I first met Bill Randolph in 2021 in Atlanta at Days of the Dead. I was assigned to work with him on a Friday night. 
Um, we struck up a, a decent friendship, but he, I mean, he, he's friendly with everybody, but mm-hmm. he really let me pick his brain as a fanboy. So that was our first meeting. I worked with him again at length six months later in Chicago. Um, also days of the dead, if I remember correctly. And I worked with him and Russell Todd beside me. I was their handler is what we call it. Right. And there, I really got to, to know Bill on a deeper level since we spent three days together. And that goes for Russell Todd as well. I mean, we talk, I, I got to know them when we were talking about personal things beyond, um, just the, the superficial and exchanging cell phone numbers, that kind of thing. Um, then we had the mini con in New Jersey, uh, that Brian was a part of, um, where I cosplayed alongside Brian and also, uh, uh, handled or worked with Lauren Marie Taylor and Bill Randolph. And um, by that time, we had a good rapport, uh, Bill and I, uh, a good, um, yeah, we had talked a few times in email and texting. And so when we met in New Jersey, we were, we were pretty, yeah, pretty close. And so um, we ended up staying in touch via texting and the occasional email here, there, what have you. And then I started writing the book and um, Bill just made himself available to me in order to interview. And to be honest with you, any writer writing a book on Friday the 13th part two worth their salt, when they want a foreword to be written, they're going to go to Amy Steele. And Mm -hmm. I'd be lying to you if I said, uh, I, I didn't think about that. Um, and I would love to have had Amy Steele write the foreword. That being said, um, I didn't think she would do it. Um, I don't have the relationship with her that I had with Bill or the other. And honestly, I wanted my, I'm the fanboy and Jeff was my favorite character, is my favorite character. And Bill is one of my favorite, if not my favorite actor in the franchise. And so I said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to ask him. And he was honored to do it. Nice. honored to do it he was humble and it floored me so that's how i basically built a relationship with him over the course of three conventions and then some um phone calls and text messaging and emails sporadically here there and everywhere and then when i started writing the book we really started to connect because i had to interview him a couple of times uh, and then when he started writing the foreword we were on the phone quite a bit because he took it very seriously he was very sober-minded and wanted to do the fans right wanted to do me right so that's the thirty thousand foot view on how i got bill randolph okay to write the foreword and he was gracious enough to sign 40 copies of the book um uh of which you are a recipient my my wife and i drove to new york over the weekend took him and his lovely wife out to dinner stayed in their apartment and just yeah it was it was a night to remember so very so awesome yeah so you write under the pen name R.G. Henning, but everyone yeah. knows you on social media by your real name, Ron H. Gann. Why yep. a pen name? So my wife, I love my wife to death. My wife worships the ground I walk on, but she absolutely cannot, does not, and will not understand my love for horror movies, right? For every horror movie that I take her to go see with me, she, I have to see two rom-coms. <laughs> oh man oh yeah she it is not her i mean i remember i took her to see halloween kills uh because she's seen all the halloweens with me but i took her she was so mad at, at me because you know that was a very brutal movie right mm-hmm. that was a michael myers movie and she was so the lights went up she looked at me she just had rage in her eyes. She was so mad at me so anyways so when i'm writing this book 
my wife said, will you do me a favor? Use a pen name. You know, and I said, well, why? Because I don't I didn't use a pen name for my other. Here's the deal. The gist of it is by virtue of my occupation, I'm a pastor. Sometimes religious people can get uptight. Right. So I said, sure, no problem. So I did it as a favor to my wife. But, you know, she's <laughs> I go, what are you ashamed of me? Uh, she goes, no, I'm just mad at you. So, yeah. so at least we know because of his love of horror him as a pastor is not going to ban dancing in any towns or, nope, you know, nope. things like that. So you nope. got a good pastor there. That's right. Um, yeah. So can we expect your wife in Blairstown in October? So, you know, the funny thing is, is that I'm actually doing a uh, monster mania in New Jersey uh, okay. next month uh, for the, it was, it was supposed to be the first four final girls, right? Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, Dana, uh, Dana Kimmel has, uh, has has had to cancel. My wife is actually was going to come and work that convention with me, um, and uh, Stacy approved. However, um, it turns out from logistics uh, and some other things that that's not going to happen. Um, Blairstown, mm-hmm. um, you very well may see her. I'm, I'm trying to get. I her better. Out. You tell her I want to meet her. Well, you know what? I want to shake the hand. Yes, yes, yeah. And uh, let me tell you something. Uh, she makes me look so good, right? She, I kind of overshot the bow when I got her. I'm, I'm a bit of an overachiever, so I always try to pimper. I'm like, come on, I want to show you off because people think I'm a geek. They're gonna think I'm cool when they. See. She's just like, uh, so trust me. I'm trying to bring her. I'm trying. I'm trying to bring her because you know I, I'm hoping Irene can come, so oh, yeah. at least she'll have. And excuse yep. to walk away. Yeah, you know? absolutely. My yeah. wife would enjoy your wife quite a bit. Um, better, so. Also, I'm going to, when Dave gets back from Germany, I'm going to ask him if he was making plans because he's been dying to do a Ralph kill scene because he now has like a, a great Ralph cosplay. Yeah. Yeah, so how great would that be that we can, you know, towards the end of the yeah. day, yes. just find a tree and get you to kill do a Dave. reenactment. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I always hate that. I, I hate that scene, although I wrote about it in the book because for the longest time, I hated the way that scene was filmed. Oh, it's horrible. It is horrible. And, <laughs> you know, I, one of the things I say in the introduction to the book is I take the book way. I take the movie way more seriously than it deserves. Let's mm-hmm. just be honest. Right. It was a low budget flick in 1981. They, were, they filmed it in 1980. Um, they weren't really treating the script like it was sacrosanct and making sure all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed when it came to story beats and whatnot. And I actually wrote a section on that kill for Crazy Ralph and how it could actually be legitimate, right. even, though he, even though he brings the bob wire down over the tree and even yeah. though he's like three feet higher. So anyways, Right, right. I so digress. Get, getting back to your wife now, we know she wanted you to have a pen name. Yeah. What was her reaction when he said, honey, I'm writing a book. Yeah. And then did she help you as far as proofreading? And is she now we knew this was going to take off. Yeah. And this is going to be like a big yeah. thing in the community. How has she been since like with all this publicity? I'm really glad that you asked that question. So my the three previous books that I wrote, my wife proofread every single page. She did not proof any of this. And one of the reasons why is I wanted to keep it from her because, like I said, she hates horror. Mm-hmm. She actually read one chapter and she wanted to have more. The problem is, is that I'm trying to get this thing done. And my wife is a busy woman. She's a corporate professional CEO, not CEO, corporate uh, manager. And so her time is limited and I could not get her pen down to read a chapter. She's like, I have to do it this weekend. I'm like, babe, you don't understand. I'm a, so I recruited some other proofreaders, some other editors and whatnot. Um, so my wife, 
she's always she's like I said, she's my biggest fan. She worships the ground I walk on, but she's pretty dismissive when it comes to my creative projects. So every diorama that I built, every model, mm-hmm. she does this. Well, isn't that sweet? That's nice. <laughs> and then I'll, you know, it's very condescending. She's not trying to be, but she is. And then I, but then I sell them for a thousand dollars, a couple thousand dollars, and all of a sudden I'm her hero. All right. So um, the book comes out. Uh, so I, I write the book and, um, and she's like, well, here, basically, she's thinking, well, here's Ron doing his little his little creative thing. That's cute. That's sweet. So the book has been very successful and has sold more than all my other books combined and um, has has uh, how do I say this? Has blown my wife away. She's like, keep writing, keep writing. <laughs> Let's go a- see all the horror movies. <laughs> no, she, true story. True. This is a true story. I t- it's real quick. We're in the hot tub about a month ago, right? A month after the book has been out. We're in the hot tub. We're just, you know, re- rejoicing. And I'm talking to her about the book and how it's being received and the support. And and normally in times past, she would be rolling her eyes. Her eyes would gloss over. She'd be like, "What's good? When are we going to be done talking about this juvenile stuff?" I'm telling her about what the book's doing and how it's being received, and she looks at me and she's like, are you, "You're going to do part three, right? <laughs> you're you're, you're going to do part three. I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Good grief! I couldn't believe that. How well she wants you to continue converted. writing." You got to retell her, I want to revisit this rom-com thing. So how about for every horror movie, it's one rom-com. Well, he, the funny thing is, I like rom-coms. I just don't like them when they're on the Lifetime channel. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So now you now you understand oh. my pain. Right. Oh, that is like, oh, God. They're all the same. They're all the same plot. Oh, I feel sorry for you. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> But if you would have saw her eyes when Halloween Kills was over and she was oh. looking at me, I'm like, okay, I'll watch a few lifetimes. And she yeah. was mad. She yeah. was so bad. It was so funny. <laughs> I don't know about that. Anyway, do you have any plans on hitting the convention scene to promote your book? Oh, yeah. Um, actually, uh, a handful of copies are going to be with Lauren Marie Taylor uh, next week, I think it is. Um, and... Uh, for autograph from nice. from the talent okay um, and then uh i will be at monster mania with uh amy Steele and adrian king um and uh so are uh, you Kim, a Kim... handler that weekend yeah or... yeah that's oh, exactly i right. thought you were going to be a vendor to sell your book no no well i okay. could i could mm-hmm. do that but i'd have to uh, to be a vendor you have to obviously pay it's expensive i don't know <laughs> I mean, we're going to see how the book does on the convention circuit. Kimberly Beck's going to be there as well. Yeah. So, um, we'll we'll see how it goes. I wouldn't. I'm not opposed to being a vendor, but right now I don't need to be when I have an outlet. Stacy's willing to, you know, you know, to work with me, and because she, she wants to promote the book as well. But right. let's see how it goes. Well, it's a possibility, but right now we'll just be with the talent. The so, um, I know we talked about it briefly, but. Uh, for Friday 13th in May, what I can say on the air right now is the diner and I are working together to kind of do something for Friday 13th, not on the scale of what it was in May, but just have horror themed vendors on the field that day. I oh, kind okay. of went over some preliminaries with um, uh, Mike, the manager. So obviously 
we would want you there as sure. a vendor, yeah. uh, signing your book, selling your book, you know, Pimp- all that pimping stuff. myself, pimping you out. Yes. Um, but off the air, I'll, I'll talk to you um, about what we kind of want to do. Okay. Okay. All right. So, all right. All right. So now as the floor is yours, uh, tell us where we can find the book, your social medias, your YouTube channel for your diorama. I have one question before we let him go crazy. All hit right. Me, Jared, who, who designed the cover of the book? Because I love it. Thank you so much. Um, I did, but the Sackhead Jason character is not my artwork. Um, that was actually graphics and images. Uh, an artist on Deviant Art put it together. It's not copyrighted. It's not owned by him. Um, but he put it together based on some game from images from the game. Um, he was using technological jargon that i didn't understand <laughs> um and because i reached out to him and said i want this for my book cover and he said you can't have it and i said you're kidding me he goes well i don't own it but i don't like to share my work and i said well if you don't own it man i'm taking it but i i, I what i did is i meant i changed it and i made I, I added the pitchfork and other things i did my own graphic stuff Everything is all me, with the exception of the heart of Sackhead or the the image of Sackhead that was done uh, by another artist using some images from the game, and then I took it, manipulated it, made it do what I needed it to do, and then added all the other stuff. So I designed the book cover from soup to nuts based on Amazon's criteria and what they demanded. So yeah, it's it's really actually, nice. You know, I got a actually another edition question. Um, do you plan on one day having it like available on Kindle? Like, is that like a uh, a pain to do? No, it's not a pain to do. Um, you're not the first person to ask me. The demand for Kindle uh, in our community is not all that great. I, I mean, a couple people want it and they're waiting mm-hmm. for. But can I be honest with you? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's 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 pennies when it comes. I don't. I did not write the book for profit. I want to be very clear. Right. But it's it's not a Kindle's not really a money. Yeah, book. I guess you, your book's like twenty bucks. So on Kindle, it'll be like two ninety nine, something exactly. like that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So um, yeah. I I haven't really. It, I mean, it wouldn't be difficult for me to make it available, but I'm going to let the paperback run until mm-hmm. uh, until it's out of gas and that kind of thing. So gotcha. That's All a right. business. That's a business decision. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. All right. So the floor is yours, Ron. If you want to plug everything and anything. I only have uh, two things I want to plug. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, first of all, Packanac Lodge. That is the name of the Facebook group that I created back in 2019, I think it was, uh, dedicated exclusively to part two with daily install, daily posts from the admin. But it's also open up to group members to participate and share photos and stories and whatnot. So um, by all means, join Packanac Lodge on Facebook. Uh, we'd love to have you. We're up to almost... I think we're over 2,200 members or something like that. So not bad. for strictly when, if group members wanted to talk, it's strictly part two stuff, but really like, yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, and then uh, I have a YouTube channel um, called uh, uh, Plastic Valor. It is a channel. It used to be Mr. Craftition. That might sound familiar to some of the listeners, but Mm -hmm. I've changed the the scope of the channel and the focus on it. Uh, It's called Plastic Valor, and it's a a channel that I have dedicated uh, recently to uh, scale modeling, particularly military battles throughout uh, uh, history that have been epic in scope. And then um, more than just building models for the sake of models, I, I, uh, again, not to be self-congratulatory or self-indulgent, but I think Brian can attest to this, that 
my dioramas tend to be museum worthy. I know that sounds mm-hmm. nice. I, I hate the way that sounded coming out of my mouth. So doing these dioramas and model making that I'm doing now for the for military battles, I, I expect them to be um, something to do with vets. I'm going to use them for for our vets. Um, I don't know how, but I'm using it as a an, a way to learn more about history. That's I want to educate myself. So so what? Um, myself. sorry to cut you off. What yeah, um, you, battle you, are you working on right now? Thank you for asking. Battle of the Bulge. Uh, oh, World very nice. Yeah. I was yeah, just going to think of World War II, yeah. But I want to be honest with you. I knew nothing about it. So the goal for me is to learn scholastically about the battle mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm making. My tagline is learning history by making it. And yeah. that's, what, that's what I'm doing. So my that's YouTube awesome. channel is called uh, Plastic Valor. And uh, I would love it if you would subscribe because uh, my goal is to get to 1,000 subs. And- well, if it's – um. If you just change the the channel, I'm already a subscriber. You just changed yep. the name, correct? Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's correct. That's exactly. Yeah. You know, one cool thing I learned about living up here, uh, if you're familiar with the Bannon Brothers, yeah, uh, Easy Company, yeah. Uh, Dick Winters, who was the the, the leader of the group, uh, captain, he's only buried like an hour from where I live. Oh wow! So I'm gonna go uh, his home, his town where he retired to. It's not too far, and so I'm gonna go. Wow, that's in great! In your future, visit a cemetery, pay my respects. Yeah, I, I believe they have like a, a small memorial in town. For I'm, I'm sure they do. Yeah. I'm sure they do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, so, I got yeah. I got Dick Winters here, and then I got Jane Mansfield over here. Jane Mansfield's <laughs> only like uh, 35 minutes from me, where her uh, final resting place is at. Well, there you go. All right, yeah. all right. Good for you, man. That'd be we can kind of do like our. Uh, our own take on the other YouTube channel. We go to famous burial places, Jared. Hey, we Jane can do Mans- that. Jane Mansfield. She's got a horrific death. Yeah. So, oh, yes, she does. Yeah. Yes, she does. Yeah. All yeah. Right. So, so that's it, guys. My YouTube channel, uh, Plastic uh, Plastic Valor, and Facebook group, Pakanak Lodger. And, of course, you can friend me on Facebook, too, under Ron Gann. So. And your Instagram is... Um, don't, you're, you want to plug your Instagram for your sackhead? Yeah, uh, I well, I have two Instagram. I have Mr. Ron Gan for my regular Instagram, and then I have uh, Granite State Jason. Um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, for, for my <laughs> other for my. Sorry, I was having a brain fart there. Um, yeah, so re- hey, reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I look forward to it. And for those who are thinking about getting a copy of the book or had already have already gotten a copy of the book, I want to just thank you so much for your support. It means a lot. I did not write this book for money. Um, I wrote it strictly out of love and devotion and wanting to evangelize the flick and make it live beyond the generations. It's forty years old now. And uh, so I appreciate everybody's support and I appreciate you guys for giving me this platform. Uh, Pleasure is all ours. Definitely. Cool guys. Yeah. I get to uh, talk Friday 13th, you know, I mean, we got to get someone on from the number Elm street series, Jared. So you can, you know, I'll just call Robert, you know, we'll just pull his on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can can get Beatrice. You're friends with Beatrice. Yeah. Yeah. We can work on that. Yeah. All right. Well, again, Ron, thank you for coming on. Yes, thank you so Jared, much. Any final words before we say later? That's all I have. Make sure you okay. subscribe to our YouTube. I will post all of Ron's links in the description below. And make sure you keep subscribing so you can win a can of stew. <laughs> <laughs> With two great autographs on it. So yes, yes. make sure you do that now. This has been the Horror Shed Podcast. We will see you next week. Take care. Bye, guys. <laughs>